I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Each and every day here on the Jeff Gawkins Show, we welcome Chris Harrington to the program. Brad, let's fire it up. Now, it's Chris Harrington on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more on 92.9's Jeff Gawkins Show. Presented by Church Health. Caring for people all around us. Give today at churchhealth.org. Chris Harrington joins us now. Chris, what are we listening to? It's uh, Promised Land by Chuck Berry, a uh, mid-60s single by him that sort of subtly traces the, uh, the itinerary of the Freedom Rides, um, MLK Day music. Where does Chuck Berry rank in rock and roll history in your mind? In my mind, he ranks one. Um, I, I, You know, I think the 50s era is sort of compartmentalized, I think, for most people. Even most people who know a lot about sort of rock history, it feels like it feels like the modern era really started with the Beatles in the mid '60s and yeah. the stuff from ten years earlier feels sort of ancient by comparison. It feels like the Beatles stuff, even in the mid '60s, is closer to today than it was to even the stuff ten years before. So there is that, but to me, Chuck Berry is is he's still underrated as a songwriter lyrically. Um, the signature guitar player, I think, in rock history. And to me, he's he's number one for me. Yeah, because the, the more I think about it, it's like, obviously, the Beatles were consuming every, you know, you know Chuck Berry, all, all, all of the great music from America, and then they were kind of putting their own spin on it. <laughs> and it just felt like after the Beatles, so many people just tried to copy the Beatles that it didn't, it felt like that's where the evolving stopped. It, you, yeah, you see what I'm saying? I think... Well, I think the mo- the true modern era and things have changed. You know, if you go to the mid seventies, mid seventies was another big break. That's when hip hop and disco and sure. punk happened. In some ways, you could say the modern era started there. But so on one level, I think like modern pop music starts in the mid sixties with the Beatles, James Brown, and Bob Dylan, and 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 that sort of that sort of everything sort of trickles out from those three things to me. And so the stuff that inspired them, the Ray Charles and the, and the Chuck Berry and the Elvis and all of that is a little more formative. So it feels, I think it feels older than it really is just because there's such a big leap that happened between the mid fifties and mid sixties. Well, and also through no fault of anyone else's like, you know, also you have the, the evolutions in like how to, in like sound engineering, you know what I mean. You, you've right. got Mar- right. Martin, you know, Martin understanding like how to like. You got pet sounds that like loops everything. Like it's not really anyone's fault that a, a new forum started to evolve, and just in terms of like sound engineering. 
I love Elvis's Sun Records stuff in the mid-50s. I love the sound of it. I love the whole thing. But I understand that to a lot of modern ears, it almost sounds like a field recording. Correct. Compared to stuff that they came 10 years later. Yeah. No, oftentimes it sounds like, you know, when you watch a YouTube video of a concert that's taken from someone's phone versus now the artists are putting their own concerts up on YouTube that has the sound from the actual soundboard, it, it it's just a completely different it's a completely different experience. Right. Where does today rank for you in terms of, of the calendar for, you know, days for the Grizzlies? Like, is it behind opening night? Is it ahead? Where, where does it rank for you? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there, there, there were some years in the past where this would be the only national TV game of the season, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I think it can't help but lose a little bit of its luster comparatively, a, because they've been doing it for 20 years, and B, because they got like 20 national TV games this year. And so, you know, it doesn't loom as large. Plus, you know, Phoenix, who's coming in, has just been pretty rough lately. So, you know, it, it's still a big a big day on the Grizzlies' schedule, but it doesn't loom as the V-Day as much as it used to be, and that's, you know, and partly a sign of progress for the Grizzlies. Yeah, because that was the thing I was trying to think about yesterday – Jaws listed as questionable. Do I expect him to play? I do. I don't feel confident. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a gut feeling. But, you know, five years ago, if Ja Morant, you know, this is the only, this would be like one of the only opportunities. And, like, it is amazing now how it's entirely possible there's a national TV game and the Grizzlies aren't, aren't all hands on deck. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, that's happened before. I mean, John missed the the, the, all the nuts game, game. Like, yeah, Brooklyn, the nuts game. Yeah, that was one where he really just sort of couldn't play. It's questionable tends to mean you play, not one hundred percent. Yeah, it's not one hundred percent that 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 happens, but most of the time, questionable ends up being a guy who plays. I think you know the national TV, and then coming off of what he did against Indiana. Which I mean, everyone saw the, saw the highlights, but nobody was watching the game, right? Uh, other than the like, Grizzlies and Pacers fans, for the most part. And, and even then, and so, even then, they might have turned it off. <laughs> right, right, right. And so, you know, it, this is one of the moments in the season where I mean, Jaw's a big deal all the time, but it's sort of it's popped a little bit more in the last few days because of because of that dunk against the Pacers, which I think it seems to me. I mean, I obviously I see more Grizzly stuff than anything else based on who I follow. But I feel like that's gotten as much attention as any like individual play this season. Well, because that's what I was trying. Because that's that was the question that Brad and I started the show with: Is this the dunk of the year? And admittedly, to the same point that you're making, like I watch all Grizzlies games. I think it is unquestionably the best Grizzlies dunk of the year. Right. I, I just don't. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be the guy that does the hot take of this is the greatest dunk of the year. When then five minutes later, somebody would send me another dunk. Like, well, what about this? And I'm like, well, you're right. Maybe that one is. But that yeah, is unquestionably re- the best I, one I've seen. I don't remember whatever the great dunks were from other other players this season. Correct. But I don't. I don't remember like national or non Memphis NBA oriented feeds I follow. I think. I think if, they, if if national feeds I follow would had broken down some other dunk as much as they broken down this jaw dunk, I yeah. would have remembered that. And so I, I, I feel safe in saying that I don't think any other dunk this season has gotten the level of attention beyond beyond a hometown fan base that this one has. And I was trying to put my finger on 
what was it about this one? Is it just kind of the raw power athleticism? It was just, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just the leap. It wasn't just the hammer. It was, I guess it was the fact that it was everything. I think that's how far he cocked it back. Yeah. I want to say, and I'm not trying to rain on the parade because the dunk was awesome. It was like a 9.9. He didn't quite catch it clean at the rim. It yeah. hit the front of the rim a little bit, right? And I say that because you always have something to aspire to. Like, I, I think Jock could do even better than this, right? I mean, I don't know if it's a perfect 10. And in terms of historic, his dunks historically, like, to me, the, the one in the playoffs against Beasley, just because, A, the, the dunk out of context was – I think equally incredible, but the context matters. That ignited. They were they were they were going to lose a playoff series, maybe not just a game, if they lost that game. And that that dunk ignited a comeback to win that game and went on to win the series. And to me, like that, like that's hard to top in a regular season game. I was trying to think though. Is it the fact that when we see a like, why is it more impressive when Ja does the cock back than when LeBron does? Because I remember, I can't remember if it was LeBron's rookie year or second year. My buddy and I, we went and scalped tickets, and we went down to see LeBron. And, like, we were we were on the, the behind the goal on the temporary, you know, the, the where the stage would normally be. So the, you know, I guess that's, like, right when you walk in the plaza. And he had a cock back right in front of us. But it is, like, well, I don't, I don't well, know. Was it more impressive when, when Spud Webb did a 360 in a slam dunk contest than when Rudy Gay did a 360 in a slam dunk contest? Or I think whatever, it's right? I think it's the size of the it's the size yeah. of the athlete, right? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. You're you're getting up, even though you're at the same height, you're elevating more off the floor, right? Yes. And so there's just something about about you know the size, and, and I I think Ja, not every not every great athlete is like this. Ja's like this. Jordan was like this. Um, there's an elegance to his explosiveness and the way his body contorts. I mean, you, this is, you, you can freeze frame it and, it, and, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a dancer. Like, he has good lines, right? And it's so not, the, not every the, great the athlete angle, is the, like that. That slow motion angle from behind, that to me was like the, that was the one where you're just like, oh, my God. Right. And so he creates true poster dunks in that, like, it, it, you freeze frame it, 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 it is elegant like frame by frame, I just explosive like in in the moment. He's also quite the salesman because I couldn't decide what I loved. Yeah. What did you like better? The dunk that was promised, uh, being Thrones fans, we kind of have to appreciate that. The prince that was promised, the dunk that was promised, or immediately selling his new shoes. Well, he's 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 selling some shoes and we're all <laughs> helping him sell shoes. Amen. And, I, 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 I'm starting to get – I like the shoes. I like that he has the shoes. I, I'm starting to feel a little like – how, how complicit do I want to be in selling <laughs> shoes, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, do I, are we at least getting a kickback? It feels like yeah, we are like, doing like, some like, agent I'm work. Not, I'm not getting a check for not from Nike, and so I'm, I may, you know, I, I may sell – there may be a limit to how much I'm going to celebrate the shoes. <laughs> Did the price point surprise you? I don't even know what the price point it's is. It's like hundred. When are they even available? What are they? What are they actually I, selling these things? I will get the Jaw one sometime. I'm sure right around when the Jaw twos are introduced. Like, that's what right, I assume. Right. Like I just, you know, what I mean, I think they're supposed to be available the spring. But that's like a. I love when they throw out the arbitrary date. It's like, didn't we used to have release dates? I, I, what 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 happened? I missed those days. Like. You line up at midnight on a Monday night for your new releases at, at uh, Blockbuster Music. I remember those days. Yeah, those days. I mean, do you remember getting in line for concert tickets? 
I remember other people getting in line. For <laughs> you didn't do it. <laughs> I've never been much of a get in line for stuff guy. I try to avoid that. Yeah, I, I could buy that. Uh, all right, the other questions though that I had. So, because this is, I, I feel like amongst my friends that truly love basketball, this is the question that I'm seeing the most commonly. So I'll get your thoughts on it. How much of what the Grizzlies are doing is the Grizzlies, and how much of it is who they're playing? Oh, I think, I mean, I think it's definitely both. Um, I, but I think the Grizzlies are for real. I, I think they are, you know, they are, I mean, the record says they're like, I think, third right now, third best team in the league. Yes. I think they're a top five or six team. I, I think they're in the top tier. I, I, I think the top tier is the top tier. And now, is it possible that there's one or two teams that just get right, like Golden State, and suddenly you transform into a team like that in the playoffs? Like, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to dismiss them after what we saw last, last spring. But I think in terms of the season itself, I mean, I think the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the, you know, the Bucks, even with their troubles, I mean, you know, I, I think the Grizzlies are one of the best teams in the league easily. Now, do I think, you know, running off nine in a row is unrelated to the schedule? No, I don't think it's unrelated to the schedule. But, like, that's the way it works. What does it say about the Grizzlies that they're going for ten in a row today? And that doesn't even feel like either – you know, that doesn't feel like the plot for today. No, I mean, if it were going for the franchise record, I think that'd get a little bit more attention. But it would be, they've already hit the second long. This is already the second longest win streak in franchise history. The longest was a year ago. The longest is 11. So this will be only the second double-digit win streak in franchise history. And they're doing it in the middle of this playoff race where, like, they've won nine in a row and they're still looking up at Denver, right? Yeah. Um, that's how good Denver's been. And so... I don't know. That's a good question why it's not a bigger deal. Maybe we should make it a bigger deal. Let, let, let's, start, let's start doing that right now, I guess. I mean, so the, the thing, though, for me is I care less. I feel like so many people in, in our business try to force what they want the storyline to be. I, I'm always more of like, what are people talking about? What's the reaction? And it's just, is it is it the fact that now... I mean, I guess for me, it's like, isn't it isn't it somewhat of a realization of well, this team's just really good, so you kind of lose track. Like you, well, it's not, it's not last season, right? Yes, the Grizzlies have been a little bit better than they were projected to be, but only like a little bit. Like yeah. everyone's, I mean, I picked them to win like fifty-two games. So, oh, I was down on the Grizzlies. I mean, I think the Vegas owner was like fifty-one. Like everyone knew they were good, and, and last year was the year where they were predicted to finish ninth, and they won fifty-six games. So that was the breakthrough, and now they're just here. Right and like that, that can fluctuate. They could finish first in the West. They could finish fifth in the West. That's a big difference, but it's not that big a difference. Like it, it's a they are they are here, and we expect them to be here at some level of here, whether that's one or two or three or four or five or whatever. We expected to be here, and we expect them to be here next year. By the way, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. Like that's where they're at. That's the special situation they're in where they're a top-five team in the league and a legit title contender, and their best players are 23, 23, and 24 years old. And two of the three are under long-term contract, and the other is going to be this summer. And so, like, these are the golden years. Like, that's the other thing I keep thinking about. Provided they stay reasonably healthy, and I'm not saying that that means everybody's got to play every game the rest of the way, but let's say provided the, the core guys do not miss extended periods of time. Wouldn't it be a shock if they don't finish at least one or two in the in the West? 
Yeah, there's enough of a gap now from two to three that that my, I mean, I would. I don't think it's a lock that they finish top two, but that certainly would be my expectation at this point. I think they are good enough, and there's enough of a cushion there that yeah, no, I, I think it's no longer a hope. It's like an expectation. You know, if they hit some some bump and they fall to three, is it a disaster? Of course not. But it's no longer, man, can we do this? It's like, this is what we should do. They should finish top two. Yeah, if they fall to three, okay, like, you can kind of compartmentalize. All right, that means you've, you're you going to get one fewer home game in the conference semi. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, the reality is, and I, I believe in the regular season, and, I, th- and I, I think you should, I think regular season wins matter, regular season goals matter. And I like that they're giving someone a trophy for, like, the best regular season record now. I approve of that. I want the regular season to mean more. Just don't ask me to name but, the player that it's named after or the right, executive. But, yeah. but, right, right, right. But relative to, like, winning a title, regular season matters only so much. Like, it matters whether you're six or seven. It matters whether you're four or five. I don't know if it matters that much whether you're one, two, or three, ultimately. I think the matchups and the health in the postseason. I mean, Golden State was the three seed last year, won the title. The Bucks, I think, the year before that were the three seed and won a title. So it actually, like, they should be gunning to be the t- number one seed. But relative to what's going to happen when the playoffs start, I don't think the one, two, three stuff matters that much. I did see this question, so I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. Are the Grizzlies in any danger of being a dominant regular season team, but not as not as significant of a threat of a postseason team? Like, kind of projecting out, not just this year, but yeah, in years I mean, to come. That was, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That's the, that was the case last year, at least to the degree that you underperformed their seed. Remember last year, they did underperform their seed. They were the two seed. They lost in the second round to the three seed. Um, I think that's easy to do. It, you know, it It's also important to note, like, they gave the – they gave the champion as good of a series as anyone, but in in right. real time, that you know what I mean. Like that's your point. Like I'm with you. Yeah, and so you know, is it pot? The higher the seed you are, the easier it is to underperform it. By the way, right? Um, you know, if you're if you're the 16th seed, you're, if you're 16th or what 15th in the conference, you're not going to underperform that. You're going straight to the lottery. Um, the higher you are, the easier it is to to come up a little short of, of your seeding. So that's possible. The question, if it happens again. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Maybe it won't happen. Maybe they won a title, whatever. But I think if, if you come up a little short of, of your expectation or your seeding, at least, in the playoffs for a second year in a row, that's something that this summer you, you take a step back and you look at it. It's not a oh, no, because, again, you're not supposed to you – when your best player's 23, you're not supposed to be winning a title. Um, you're just you're, – if anything, they're ahead of where they're supposed to be, or at least last year they were ahead of where they were supposed to be. They weren't supposed to have, win 56 games with a 22-year-old as their best player. That just doesn't happen. And so, you know, they're still in a long view kind of situation. But I think if, you know, if they got into this postseason and came up a little short of where the, of their seeding, I think that would, that would this summer be a reflection of, okay, what do we really need to do to be better in the playoffs? And partly that's what they did this past summer, too, when they made the moves they did. I mean, Zach Kleiman consciously said, we need to be a better shooting team, a better half-court offensive team for playoff basketball. Well, the reality is they actually have they actually have not been a better half court offensive team. They have not been a better shooting team. Um, they are good in a, in a lot of the same ways they were good last season. Um, does it translate better in the playoffs? I think that matters. That's partly about matchups. It's partly about you know these players being another year older. So we'll see. Well, like to your point, there's also an element of okay, you kind of are what your numbers say you are. But this is where I'm starting to get a little confused because. Numbers say the Grizzlies are not a particularly great shooting team. Well, if you look right. at it, though, since Dez has gotten back, in right. terms of 
three-point make percentage, they're now a top 10 team. Like, they're around six or seven, depending on what date, what arbitrary date you choose. And then part of me is thinking, like, well, is part of the reason why they look so dominant right now is because they are making it? Or is it the fact that they're they're getting more open looks because these teams aren't as good? Or is it just a sample size of, like, hey, they're kind of on a hot streak right now? Like It's kind of compart- – like, like contextualizing so, that, I think, is difficult. I say this every once in a while. Statistics are a composite of the past. Right. Statistics are not a present, unchanging condition. And so we say they are a 34% three-point shooter team, and I say that too or whatever. But that's not really a a precise statement. The the precise statement is they have been, on average, a blah-blah-blah shooting team. That is not necessarily what they're going to be tomorrow night or the night after that or the night after that. It's not necessarily what they're going to be in the playoffs. And to your point, their shooting numbers of the season tells one story – they have the potential to be much better than that. Like, you know, if you have Desmond, if you have Desmond Bain in, in a good form and, it, you know, J, you have Jaron in a good form, and what if Danny Green, like, shows up and the guy who hit 40% from three in the playoffs last year is, becomes that guy again? What if Zaire Williams, who's been shooting well the last two games, what if he's on an upward trend? What if he becomes a more meaningful three-point shooter over the next few months than, than, than you've gotten from that position to this point? It's entirely possible. Um, and so we don't, you know, you can look at their numbers on the season, but those are, again, a composite of the past. That is an average performance of the recent past. It is not an ironclad, you know, example of what they're going to be tomorrow or today. In your opinion, is it a reasonable expectation to believe come playoff time this team could be better in the half court offensively than last year? Yes. Yeah, because we, we, we haven't seen, even now, we haven't seen that much of John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson all together. Um, and if you consider that the first three or four games after Bain came back, he, he, he hadn't really gotten comfortable playing again. We've seen even less of it. And so, you know, what's the upside of this team with all three of those players playing together and playing good basketball at the same time? I think that's a higher offensive ceiling. Um, than some of what we've seen. And by the way, I think last I looked, they were like ninth or 10th in the league this season on offense. Now that's boosted by their transition play. Yeah. And half court, they were more, you know, in the 22-23 range or whatever. But yeah, no, to your point, I think, you know, what they could be in a playoff series is not necessarily the same thing as what they've been on average so far this season. Chris, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, thanks. Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian. Again, the Grizzlies taking on the Suns this, I guess, evening, right? So we'll say 5, 5 p.m. falls in the that's, evening. That's right. yeah. This evening. Yeah. Pre-game with... It's going to float into the evening. Correct. Like the Cowboys game, we're going to have to put on 790 because it's going to go in have at to that start, time. Yeah. yeah. Pre-game will be at 4.30. Of course, Brad and Bennett will have you pre-gaming pre-game for 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, there's like... I have 25 minutes. Yeah. Gary Darby's going to join me. I figured I'd get one of the Grizzlies yeah. guys on to, to talk about the game. Yeah, you know? pre-game the pre-game. I, I, do you think... I heard your report on Ja. Mm-hmm. So they listed him as questionable so far. So he's on the injury report that the Grizzlies put out. It's questionable. Man, today's a game where I'd like to see that that five trot out there, including Brooks. I think so too. It'd be it'd be a good. Day I would to also do that. be a little surprised if he didn't play. I've been yeah. surprised before, but I would be a little bit surprised simply because the last time these two teams played, yeah, the Grizzlies kind of got punked. They did, yeah, because the, the, they had the between game yep. with the, the Christmas game was yep. between the two Suns games. The game. Suns yeah. got them on that second yeah. one. They got the Suns in Phoenix, and yeah. the, the Suns turned right back around and got them here in Memphis. That that 
kind of to me suggests that typically when we see the Grizzlies in the spot, they like to they like to punch. This back. actually could be an awesome game with that in in mind. You know, like a really nice game. I mean, I think everyone would like to have the same reality of like just go and beat them by thirty. That would be that, fun. I think everyone yeah. seems to think that that's a little <laughs> bit more fun. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.